Good morning, and welcome to A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM WDWS. For nearly seven decades, Champaign-Urbana's daily gathering spot for conversation, dialogue, and ideas. You can join it on the phone, via text, or online. Our phone number is 217-356-9397. Or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Or email us at talk at wdws.com. Now, here's your host, Brian Barnhart. And good morning, everybody. Welcome to a new week, and welcome to summertime, huh? Man, is it going to be hot the next few days. High of 97, could hit 101 tomorrow. So uh, get ready for that. And uh, for those that were wondering if it was ever going to get hot back there in April and May when we were kind of chilly, here you go. (laughs) You got it. So enjoy it. Uh, If you like hot weather, some people do. Most people don't like it that hot. But I can remember a lot of summer days working in some pretty hot uh, conditions growing up uh, on the farm. So um, there we go. All right, uh, we've got a busy show for you today. We've got a busy week ahead here on the uh, show. Uh, We're going to start with Champaign City Councilman Tom Bruno. We have him on periodically, and uh, today is the day that works for him. So we'll have him on here in the 9 o'clock hour. He's ready to go. So we'll talk to Tom and ask him any questions you want, city issues. Uh, We'll talk about some of the uh, national stuff, too, at the same time, just to kind of get his thoughts on things uh, as they are. Then we'll do some open line time after the news at 10, and then we'll be joined by a filmmaker uh, with Illinois Public Media, Sarah Edwards. They uh, put together a really, uh, really nice documentary on the Champaign County Fair. We're about a month out from that, and it premieres tonight. So we'll talk to Sarah about that. And then we've got all kinds of things coming up. Uh, just an hour tomorrow, we'll visit with uh, Ann Prislin from the uh, League of Women Voters. We've got some early voting opportunities now in some different places that are available now. So we'll tell you about that uh, tomorrow. Then we've got uh, Paul Rudy's on the money. Of course, the stock market is way, way down this morning already, 500 or 600 points, I think, after an 800-and-some-point drop on Friday. So uh, they'll have plenty to talk about tomorrow. Wednesday... A lot of politics on Wednesday here, less than two weeks out from the uh, primary. Uh, Jeff D'Alessio had some features on the different candidates on Sunday. If you haven't seen that, you certainly will. And we'll have Richard Irvin on. He's running for governor. Jesse Rising running for Congress uh, as well. The cast of Sister Act on there. Dr. Larry Jekyll will join us on Thursday. He's a noted psychiatrist here locally. And uh, Friday in the 10 a.m. hour, my dad will be on. I've always had my dad on. I've tried to in recent years, and that's worked out pretty well. I know a lot of people comment on how much they enjoy hearing my dad, so we'll have him on with me in the 10 o'clock hour on Friday. So uh, there you go. There's the week ahead. I've got a busy, busy uh, day starting today with Tom Bruno. We'll get it started next on A Penny for Your Thoughts. All right, we're on A Penny for Your Thoughts here as we uh, go along this morning. On News Talk 1493.9 FM, good to be with you on a very hot day, 97. And uh, just back from Colorado, where I'm guessing it's, it'll be a little cooler than it will be here, is Tom Bruno. Yeah, I, um, it was <laughs> nice and cool. It was in the uh, 60s during the day and 40s at night. But we were up high in Breckenridge. 
Okay. My daughter and son-in-law then continued on to Grand Junction on the Amtrak from Denver to Grand Junction. And it was 100 degrees in Grand Junction, so go figure. <laughs> and that heat's made its way I, here. I'll tell you what, 9 o'clock, I just got out of my car in your parking lot, and I think it got 20 degrees hotter than when I left my home. Yeah, yeah it's already 80, and yeah. I'm sure it's, it's, well, it's going to be 97 uh, today, so and 101 tomorrow, so there yeah. you go. It's not the heat, it's yeah, the humidity. That's right, that's, that's what they say. <laughs> no, it's the all heat right. and the humidity. Well, you're doing all right? I'm doing yeah. great. Yeah. Everything's good. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Got a new uh, police chief. We town. do, and yeah. I, I have not yet met him, but mm-hmm. there will be a re- reception for him tomorrow night before our city council meeting on Tuesday, uh, Tuesday, June 14th. Yep. And um, there'll be a reception and a formal swearing in in front of the city council. We're going to have uh, the new chief on here in a couple of weeks good. on pennies. So uh, we're going to have him on visit with him, so that'll be good. And uh, I know you'll have a chance, and the public will have a chance to uh, meet him at some point here as we go along. Uh, Nine fourteen at DWS. Uh, so, what else is going on with the city? Any um, anything here in the summertime um, that? Well, you know, things tend to get slower in June, July, and August, um, and when the city is aggressively trying to return to some sense of post-COVID normalcy. Um, having more and more employees uh, get back to the routine things that we used to do. Um, And it's going to be, like in every sector, um, it's going to be a slow recovery from what was a really unusual time in our lives. Uh, We're not out of it yet, but um, I saw baby formula on the shelves in the store today or yesterday. So, you know, so some of the weird things that have happened to us are, coming back now we just have to uh, figure out how to r- operate our automobiles without breaking the bank yeah how about that how was the gas price in colorado it was cheaper than illinois yeah okay yeah but yeah. not much cheaper. well mike hale was just over in indiana he said it was actually more expensive over there than it was here which is interesting yeah we yeah. regularly drive uh illinois through indiana and into michigan to vacation and uh Indiana was always the lower, the place we would try to get it, fill up the tank. But uh, lately, Michigan's been lower than Indiana, and everybody's lower than Illinois. Hmm. Tom Bruno is with us. Any uh, comments or questions for Tom, you can certainly join us. 217-356-9397. Text line is 217-351-5357, and you can email us, talk at wdws.com. A lot of talk these days now, suddenly, about electric vehicles. Yeah, Everybody, have it, you, it uh, takes something like yeah. a spike in gasoline prices to have people reevaluate them. You know, 10 years ago, it was a move to hybrid vehicles. When gas shot up, everybody started looking at hybrids. And then gas came back down again, and everybody had amnesia and bought giant monster vehicles with, uh, you know, bus tires on them and this road way higher than everybody else's. Um so it comes and goes, but uh, I, I'm pretty sure electric vehicles are the thing of the future, um, and you know we'll all get used to it. I don't have one yet. Yeah. Well, I guess the big thing is we got to if we're if we're going to go wholesale on. I mean, and I mean by the sense we're going to have more of them out there. We got to have more charging stations. Sure. To be able to handle. And you more know, vehicles. if you read that uh, hundred years ago today column in the News Gazette, which I've become addicted to. 
A hundred years ago, the thing was we need more hard top roads because we're getting more cars. Sometimes things are a little slow on the uptake. Mm -hmm. But if you're the Tesla Corporation and you're trying to sell Teslas, I'm sure they're focused on their network of charging stations so that that doesn't become a concern that causes people not to buy them. I still see Teslas very frequently on the road. Those people are all figuring it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the other thing is to get the cost down of those vehicles, right? Yeah. Well, I don't know what what a Tesla costs. A journalist who uh, had driven from San Francisco to Los Angeles said it would have been 200 and something in gasoline. It was $43 on electric. Uh, and they had done the, you know, they'd carefully measured it to make a comparison. The vehicle costs more, but um, I would think that Tesla or or any electric, a Ford or a Chevy electric, would be a vehicle choice for a lot of things where your vehicle never leaves Champaign-Urbana, for instance, uh, parking enforcement or uh, some local delivery where you, you know you're going to be back at a station where you can plug it in. Um, and they have tremendous acceleration and all kinds of other advantages. So it, you watch. It'll be, they will become the popular vehicle. Mm-hmm. And uh, people who have resistance to it or think it's a horrible idea don't have to come around. There's still people who read pa- books on paper, say, I'll never get a Kindle, I'll never do that, or I'll never get a digital camera. Film is the only way to go. Yeah. And then you see the professional wedding photographer with a digital camera now, and you say, oh, maybe I'm missing something. So. <laughs> All right, 217-356-9397. You've been watching the uh, January 6th hearings at all? Did I have. You see, did you I, see any I, of that I have. I'm, yeah. I'm extremely interested. You know, I like, uh, I like watching politics. I like observing it. Mm-hmm. I also like, because my uh, career has been as a advocate in courtrooms as a lawyer, um, I like to watch people trying to make a point and thinking, oh, you, I would have said that differently or I would have done this differently. Um, so when people are advocating for something, um, it, I think it's fascinating to watch mm. so as a spectator sport. Mm-hmm. Well, I said uh, 20 million people watched it. Correct. Uh, I just heard that more yeah. than uh, more than the last seventh game of the World Series, more than the last NBA Finals. It had a it had a very large audience. Yeah, State of the Unions, by the way, typically get about thirty eight million is the number on those. So it wasn't Correct. quite at that level, but no, but but, uh, but was available. They're doing so. They were supposed to do some more today, I guess, and yes. uh, that is ongoing. And then there's another prime timer coming up here as we go. All right, I got a call here for you, so you'll sure. need your headphones there, Tom. Okay, uh, put those on. Uh, let's go to Eric on the phone. How you doing, Eric? Hey, good, good, good morning, guys. Uh, my question, um, you know, when we talk about the, um, the the cost of gas and fuel and everything here, um, the gas tax portion of that is is built in. Is that like that's set locally? Is that correct? No, uh, not there. There's a federal excise tax. There's a state tax, and there is a local motor fuel tax. The local motor fuel tax in Champaign and Urbana is, I believe, two cents a gallon. So um, it's not a great percentage, but it's a way to link the cost of repairing roads and building roads to those who drive automobiles and to, you know, give the non-automobile driving people uh, an opportunity to not have to fund 
the infrastructure that's necessary for automobiles. So, so then, when we have all the electric vehicles out there and you don't no longer pay for gas, how does that how the roads get paid for then? Sure. Well, uh, we had the same thing with landlines on telephones because we used to earn a significant amount, significant amount of revenue on telephone taxes. And when we went to cell phones so uh, so dramatically, cities lost all that revenue and they have to figure out some way to make it up. We could make it up with property taxes, but that's not fair to people who don't drive and just have a lot of valuable property. Um, what do you suggest? But I but I don't think the government and I mean conservatives and liberals alike, I don't think they want to disincentivize the purchase of electric vehicles. Um I think they want to incentivize that. And so right now I think the registration of an electric vehicle is cheaper than a gasoline vehicle. Um, and the, you know, the, that's how you, uh, move a society to do something that you'd like them to do. In the 1970s, it was tax credits on your income taxes for putting in storm windows and a efficient water heater. Um, I don't know how this problem will be solved. Um, I'm sure you can figure out a way, just figuring out a fair way. All right, Eric. Okay. And uh, the last thing I want to mention, uh, one thing I want to mention also is, you know, the, the cost of, of, you know, let it goes up and that affects us driving. But the cost of diesel is what really impacts things because that cost gets passed on to us with everything that gets shipped on the roads. Like, they don't eat that cost. They just pass it along to us. So sure. that's something to keep in mind, mm. too. For that's, that's not going to be resolved yeah. with electric, I wouldn't think. No, and diesel is priced... Uh more i was noticing signs at stations that it's selling for more per gallon than gasoline uh, i used to always i think it used to always be significantly less back in the day when people were buying uh personal vehicles that ran on diesel that was real popular for a while hmm. all right hey thank you eric appreciate that got a, a texter says point of interest tesla has thirty-five thousand chargers now i have no problem traveling cross country as i have several times and charging, it might add two hours on a 30-hour drive. That's a long drive. A Tesla Model 3 is approximately the cost of a high-end Camry. Okay. And, and I would say this, you know, that's my wife brings that up. She says, uh, well, I don't want to have to stop for 30 minutes. But if you're making a 30-hour drive, you're going to eat a meal. You may even want to take a nap. So the, the two hours added to charge your vehicle will become – that. that's when you – take a break that's when you have a cup of coffee that's when you eat a meal and i think there will be electric charging stations all over as for enough for in no other reason than it attracts customers it attracts you know if you have them in your grocery store a lot well that's where people go in for 45 minutes to buy groceries mm -hmm. um that that seems like it would be a natural yeah. we were talking somebody was asking earlier where are there charging stations in town i think meyer and urbana i think has some do you know of meyer and champagne yeah, has champagne. charging stations okay. Yeah, they're, I, they're I'm right. sure you learn right away where they are. And people have them in their garage. You hang it on the inside wall of your garage, you plug it into a 110-volt outlet, and it'll charge your Tesla overnight or your Chevy or your Ford. Mm -hmm. uh, Rivian and 
Bloomington Normal is making 100,000 trucks for Amazon. So um, there are people who are investing in electric trucks, electric vans. Mm. Uh, the technology is there. You know, the locomotives are electric. They, they just have their own diesel generator with them. But when, when a locomotive is pulling a freight train, it's driving the wheels with electric motors, and the engine is just a big diesel generator. Hmm, I didn't know that. Electromotive. There, there you go. <laughs> Le- electromotive, they used to call it in the western suburbs of Chicago. They made freight train engines. Electromotive. Uh, had a st- uh, text here that says, The state has proposed increasing the EV annual license sticker to 1000 Dollars since EVs don't pay road tax. Uh, plate renewal in Illinois, two hundred dollars plus for electric, much more than gas. Illinois is disincentivizing electric. That could uh, be. Yeah. That that could be. But there is no. Another text says there is no zero maintenance scheduled for a Tesla. So right now you're already saving several thousand dollars a year. Okay, very good. Uh, 217-356-9397. Got some other questions here for Tom Bruno that have come in. You always seem to get a few. Yeah, that's well, okay. That's good, right? We can talk about anything people want. <laughs> All right, 926, back in a moment. All right, visiting with Champaign City Councilman Tom Bruno. He's also, of course, a local attorney. This is the anniversary, by the way, of the Miranda rights that came into being yeah. in 1966. Correct. They're yeah. large widely misunderstood yeah if i can give you a 30 second oh sure yeah um the miranda warnings about you have a right to you know to remain silent if you um don't your statements can be used against you Mm -hmm. those are only required to be given when you're going to interrogate a witness and they are in police custody so people will say they never gave me my miranda rights well if they just want to lock you up stick you in the cell and charge you with a crime there's no they don't need to give you your miranda rights they only need to give them to you as a precursor to asking you questions or interrogating you Um, and if you're not in custody what the police will sometimes do is say come on down to the station we just want to ask you about um, killing your mother and you're not on that's a bad example but you know we just want to ask you about something you're not in custody. You're free to leave any time. No, no cop is standing between you and the door to this conference room. Mm-hmm. No Miranda rights are invoked if if the person is not under arrest. Hmm. Yeah, so June 13th, 1966, there was Miranda versus Arizona. And uh, you see it all the time on television. They sure. Do it, it's, and, a, it's a dramatic thing they do. It, you know, because it's like, oh, they're arresting him, you know. Yeah. You and, and they the cop starts yelling it at the person, so it's a lot of tropes on television that don't really happen in real life. Like a person being interviewed by the police with their lawyer sitting there next to them, that rarely happens. Rarely, really, because if you got a lawyer, they're going to say, "Why are we? Why would we talk to the police now?" Um, you know, the um, huh. let's find out what the state has against you, and then you you'll have an opportunity to say anything you want. But you, you know, going down to the police station to explain your side of the story is not usually how uh, you defend somebody. Because you'll see in those TV shows, and this is always dangerous. But you'll see where, okay, I'm done talking. I want my attorney. Yeah, is that? <laughs> well, that happens. A that lot. happens a that lot. Happens. Okay, I'm just okay. gonna, especially among University of Illinois students, you think they're so bright, and they're the ones who always 
the the classic example, and I've seen this more than once, so this isn't going to identify anybody. They get caught shop, shoplifting at the Illini Union bookstore. They take a, a package of pens or something. While being interrogated in the security room at the Illini Union bookstore, the, the, the security person will say, well, this isn't the, you know, we have facial recognition cameras. This isn't the first time you've done this, is it? No, I've stolen, I stole three candy bars on November 15th, and I stole a backpack on October 13th. And pretty pretty soon, they have talked themselves, they've made all kinds of confessions when they could have just said politely, thank you, officer, but I'm I'm just going to sit here silently. Yeah. And they have that right to do that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We, all us Americans have the, that right. But they um, they uniformly spill the beans. And and then the University of Illinois disciplines them even more harshly because they're a multiple-time offender. And the prosecutor says this isn't their first time. They admitted to six other thefts. Yeah. You know, the, the <laughs> other interesting story about how this works if you do a deep dive on self-checkouts, like at grocery stores or Walmart or something, yeah. the self-checkout has cameras underneath, cameras above, cameras in the ceiling, cameras looking at your face, and they will detect if you hesitate too long between sliding groceries across the glass plate, because that's a, that's a tell that you are looking around the store to see if the coast is clear. So if you go product, 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 and then there's a 30-second gap, they can flag that. Hmm. And if they watch you steal something, they might let you walk out the door having flagged your uh, credit card. So the next time you come, you do the same thing. The third or fourth time you come, you do the same thing. Now they know that that credit card is linked with shoplifting at at the checkout register. And the fourth time they arrest you, you say, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know that mascara got in the cart. I must have overlooked it. I did, I'm sorry, it was a mistake. Uh, and you say, well, what about last Tuesday and the Thursday before? And pretty soon, the story of how it was an innocent mistake is uh, disrupted by the fact that they that this was your fifth time and they wow. knew it. So I'm going to be self-conscious now at the You better, at the you better be. Line. Know, you man, better be. There's that many cameras. All right, 9.33. Well, no picking your nose at the self-checkout lane. (laughs) 9.34, our uh, CBS News here at the uh, bottom of the hour. Get an update on Wall Street. Brought to you by uh, First Mid Bank and Trust. Providing financial solutions since 1865. Visit firstmid.com to find out more. Back with Tom Bruno in a moment. All right, 9.37. And more people taking those trains there. With the price of gas, yeah. that may uh, that may fuel that. No pun intended. Would be uh, nice if we had a fixed guideway tram that went from Urbana to Champaign, but we don't. I remember somebody was uh, yeah was pushing that idea. It was a unanimous vote of the nine member Champaign City Council, including our beloved Mayor Jerry, and it was a nine member vote nine uh, nine member unanimous vote to study it. We studied it, and by the time. Uh, it was ready to accept the grant from the federal government. Local attitudes had turned against it so strongly that it just wasn't going to happen, and yeah. I think it went down five to four. Yeah. Real quick, I forget where was that going to run? It was going to run from gonna, downtown to downtown, like or? Lincoln Square to downtown Champaign, with a spur that went to the assembly hall, hmm. or 
as you know it, the State Farm State Center. State Farm Center, yes. So, it, you know, having ridden on these kinds of vehicles, um, they're smooth, they're electric, they, uh, they're regular and predictable. And because it's a track embedded in the pavement, there's no fear of, oh, this bus, I don't know where this bus is going to go, and asking the driver, where's this bus going to go? Is it going to make a left turn on Prospect when I want to continue on? And a fixed guideway takes all that out of the hmm. out of the equation. But it's not going to happen. Yep. We passed it our chance. It didn't happen, and it went by. Uh, hi, Brian. Wondering if you could uh, tell me what the criteria is to have a park named after you. Do you have to do something extraordinary or just be a city employee? Somebody asked. Well, let me first point out that the Champaign Park District is in no way affiliated with the city of Champaign. It's its own unit of government. It has elected board members. And so being an employee of the city of Champaign certainly doesn't get you anywhere. And the five-member uh, park district board would name a park. Now, they might name it after a significant financial donor Dodds. who gave them the land. They might name them, name it after one of their own, one a park district commissioner. But it's a park district decision, and it's done by the park district. Mm-hmm. Think about Robeson Park. I think when what happens, you lay out a big subdivision like Robeson, and you set aside land, and you dedicate it to the park district. You give it to them. And that park may get named after you. Mm-hmm. And that's what's happened before. Uh, let's go to Scott. Hi, Scott. You're on with Tom Bruno. Go ahead. Morning, you guys. Hey, uh, question is basically for Tom about uh, this policy of not prosecuting shoplifters right now. Uh, Whose policy is that? Out? Apparently it's... Uh, um, our state's attorney, uh, what's her name? This elected state's uh, attorney in her fourth term is Julia Reitz. Julia Reitz, yeah. yeah. And she doesn't prosecute uh, shoplifting? That's what the police have said, and that's what store managers have said. There was an example just uh, last week down there at CVS in Savoy. They had, make a long story short, A uh, citizen watched some individuals steal a bunch of stuff. Uh, Went to their car. They had their license plates covered with black tape. He, The individual was able to get it off there to get the plate number. Uh, They got away. He went into the store manager, told him about it. Uh, store manager said it's policy not to prosecute those people. Store manager but is wrong. He, store manager is wrong. And you're saying the police officer is wrong too? What police officer? Because uh, they uh, called the police. Champaign County Sheriff who who does well, police whoever, calls in Savoy? The, the, the law enforcement agency in that part of town. That part of town that, is Savoy. Because mm-hmm. Savoy, right. yes. Um, that would be the uh, sheriff's office, and, yeah. yeah. Well, let, okay. Let and me the ex- police officer said, "Well, Julia Reitz wouldn't p- prosecute him anyway." Let me explain uh, how that is typically handled. If a first-time shoplifter, well, I know he should be arrested. Okay. All right. Hang if on, a, Scott. Go if ahead. If a first-time okay. shoplifter is apprehended at a retail store, almost always the police officer issues them a notice to appear for a city ordinance violation of theft. 
They don't take them into custody. Um, if a if a person steals something that's like worth thirty dollars or fifty dollars, they are not taken into custody and taken to the jail. They're issued a notice to appear for a city ordinance violation. Now the county doesn't have as many ordinance options, and so they would have to take this shoplifter into uh, custody and seek to have them charged with a state court of offense. The state court offense has to be proven beyond a reasonable doubt in a courtroom. Now, in your particular example, that would involve recruiting this private citizen and teaching them how to testify in court, rehearsing the time of uh, getting them to take time off work, to come into the courthouse to testify about what they saw. Okay, I don't know what's funny about that, but that's what it takes. Go ahead. No, go ahead. And so that's a difficult case to prove, and they may offer the person diversion or something. Now, uh, you could take a person like that into custody, but there are a lot of shoplifters, and we would need a lot more police officers and a much bigger jail. Um, so if you want your tax dollars to be spent locking up the 23-year-old who put a package of mascara in her purse, we can do that as a society, but it's going to raise your taxes. Okay. So you're telling me, no, 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 no. Go ahead. So you're telling me you got a, you got a witness, you got a license plate number, which apparently sounds like they've done it before. Uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Ready. I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, play along with me. I'm going to challenge your assumptions. Why does what? Not whatever. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Why? What do you think they've done it before? Because they had their license plate covered up with black tape, and that's a sign to you that they've done this before. Okay, that's a reasonable assumption. What do you? Yeah. What do you think they did it for? I don't know. It's called common sense. Okay. Now you know everybody knows that they have not been prosecuting these shoplifters. Everybody doesn't know that. Start doing it. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Okay. Well, yes, they do. There's been enough stories from, from Farm and Fleet, uh, Urbana. Yes, uh, Farm and Fleet in the county, or is it in the city of Urbana? It might be in the city of Urbana. Uh, Rural King. I'm sorry, Rural King. Rural Kings in Champaign. I know. Yeah, everything's got to be. All the D I's got to be dotted and the T's got to be crossed. Mm-hmm. Everybody well, they, knows. Everybody sees it on, on the news. How people raid a store steal as much as they can, have a car waiting out for them, and you're going to tell me that's not true. What's not and true? Then our, the, the our people steal? Are, yes. Look, okay. what they did. Look what they did to good vibes during the riots when the, nobody would uh, stop those criminals from destroying it. And what were their... What? And they went back and bashed it again and stole again mm-hmm. from them. Are you, are you suggesting that those people were not prosecuted? I'm saying most of them weren't. Some were, yes, I understand that. But now, by letting them not being prosecuted for the shoplifting, you guys, or she's created a atmosphere of, but let's just go in and do it, because we know we aren't going to get stopped. Uh, they might go in and be in jail for one day and turn loose. Now, you're going to tell me that's not going on. Is that what you're saying? No, if a person Are is you? taken into custody, they're not likely to spend more than a day in jail. They're presumed to be innocent. 
Their bond is set by a judge, and they're scheduled for a, a trial date. But I'm telling but you what... But if your states are turning... Go ahead. Go ahead. If it, if I'm telling state, you on a well, local level, they almost all are prosecuted as city ordinance violations. <laughs> yeah. All right. I think we've uh, yeah, we've reached the end point here. But thank you, Scott. Yeah, I, we've I appreciate it. it. Yep, and, uh, thank you. Liberal thinking is out there everywhere. But. Okay. Thank you. Two one seven three five six nine three nine seven. Well, I'm happy to talk go. about that. Yeah. You know, I drove on I fifty seven yesterday. You can't. I can't tell you how many cars were going higher than seventy miles an hour. Why don't we arrest them all? Well, because society has decided that. You know, a ticket for going nine miles over the limit isn't worth the 30 minutes it takes the trooper to issue that ticket. And it's not worth the state's attorney's time to prosecute a nine mile and over speeding ticket. So you look around you and you say, people are breaking the law and it upsets me. I, I get that. It upsets me too. But it's, uh, we used to tell stories in America about how in Singapore, if you spit gum on the sidewalk, they would arrest you. And cane you. Yeah. 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 And, is that the kind of society we want to live in? No. And I don't want people shoplifting either. But there is a private remedy. The store can sue them. And they do all the time. And you have to pay the store treble damages with a minimum of $300. And people get those letters all the time from Kohl's, Walmart, Meyer, for a civil penalty. Um, the stores don't want to be shoplifted in either. But if this guy thinks it's um, what he sees, is, you know, there's a smash and grab in Los Angeles or a smash and grab in some store and there's security video of it, that's wrong. And if they figure out the identity of those people, they will be prosecuted. But there are certain crimes you can commit that are, you'll get away with them. Mm-hmm. You'll get away with some of those crimes. Yeah. Well, even the, uh, the people in San Francisco just recalled their DA district attorney because yeah. they felt like was there wasn't enough correct they were letting just letting them run rampant <laughs> that's and, why yeah. we have elections yeah. that's why we have elections um but uh you know to to argue that it's julia reitz's fault um it's the fault of the problem it's not um there aren't enough prosecutors to prosecute the murder cases and we're going to start having all-day trials for shoplifting a pint of booze or a, mm. or a, you know a bracelet I, we could do that but it's but when you scratch below the surface and this guy says well you know how come there's nobody patrolling the neighborhood anymore well they're up at Walmart writing up somebody who stole something okay well we have to balance that out mm. we don't have a hundred cops out there to uh, do store security. Yeah. I want to talk about vacancies on the police staff, by the way, here. A couple sure. of texts on that. Back in a moment with Tom Bruno. All right, 952, the Facer Law Office invites you to attend their free seminar, The Seven Secrets You Need to Protect Your Family from the Cost of Long-Term Care. Join Thorpe Facer and Facer Law Office at the iHotel and Conference Center Wednesday, June the 15th at 1.30. Reserve your space by calling Facer Law Office at 217-337-1111. All right, a lot of questions here for Tom. I'll combine a couple of them here because they have to do with uh, vacancies. Uh, between the Urbana Police, Champaign Police, and Parkland Police, there are 28 vacancies for police officers. Uh, the license plate readers in Champaign have only been installed last week. Is that 
sound right? They've been installed. There were you know, there oh. were some up earlier okay. than that. A uh, question for Councilmember Bruno is why is the gun shootings have decreased by 45% compared to this time last year? Um, and then somebody else had about, um, I think it's the same question again. Okay, yeah, anyway. Uh, police, how are we doing on police vacancies? Are We, we still have vacancies. We're still mm-hmm. hiring. If anybody knows somebody who would like to have a great job, uh, they can apply at the City of Champaign. We are hiring, we're advertising, we've, we're paying our police officers much more than we did in the past. We're trying to come up with creative solutions to cover for the shortages. Uh, but we're working our police to death because um, many of them are out on duty injury or they're out on something or other, or they've quit. So if anyone out there has ideas as to how we can hire more police, when all of the other local agencies are also looking for police, mm. we're receptive to those ideas. We have job openings. We're not at full staffing, and we're trying to hire police to fill them. One thing that was uh, going to happen, two things. One, downtown, uh, the security firm. Are, are sure. those folks in place now, the, yes. as far as you know? Okay. Yes. All right. And then the U of I, there was an agreement between Correct. the U of I and Champaign Police. They have um, more than enough officers, and we didn't have enough they're going to cover things that otherwise would have been dispatched to the city of Champaign police force. They're going to cover those on our behalf in the campus area. Okay. So that's, uh, and, and, that's we're, and we're paying them for that. Okay. Uh, 217-351-5357. Let's see here. I had um, a couple of questions here that were not, oh, here's one about renters. For Tom, there are renters' rights organizations, but I've already asked and can't find a Homeowners' rights city department that protects longtime homeowners from the rented ho- the one rented house that is a real behavior problem. We have contacted police, zoning, and the landlord many times. Has to be way a way for a landlord to be held accountable for renewing a renter's lease when it's been a huge problem for four years. Any ideas? That makes sense. Um, uh, that that does make sense. I, mm. I guess I understand their concern. There aren't many practical solutions. What if the landlord has done nothing wrong? I, I mean, this I don't know the facts of this situation. Mm-hmm. But um, if the landlord has done something wrong, what is it? Is it that they rented to this person? Is it that they rented at all and, they, and this person would rather that this was an owner-occupied house? I guess I would need to know what the nature of the problem is. Um, but a lot of homeowners rent their homes out. They move, they get a divorce, they leave town, and they put their house up for rent. And then there are other people who buy houses and put them up for rent to make money. And that provides the rental opportunities for people who are so far away from having a down payment and a mortgage payment that they'll never be a homeowner. And uh, at the city, if, uh, if somebody's violating the law, you can contact the Neighborhood Services Department, which will write somebody up for trash on their lawn or weeds that are too high or those kinds of things. Uh, have Tom comment on what it's like to have a Democratic U.S. representative be primarily concerned about East St. Louis and liberal Champaign County and basically forget everybody in between, like the farmer's markets. I, they're talking about this 13th district, I guess, which goes from here to down oh, to East St. Louis. It's crazy. Yeah. You know, um, gerrymandering has gotten so far out of control and yet it serves the purposes of all 435 representatives. Um, Whether you're the reddest of red or the bluest of blue, 
you want to you want your district to be carved up by a computer to be s- extremely safe for you. So when Rodney Miller, Rodney Davis, and <laughs> and Mary Miller yeah. uh, have their election results, whoever wins that is going to landslide this district um, because it's written yeah. it's divided up so that it'll be all it's a very conservative right. district correct yeah and the so. dems do the exact same thing i mean they, this was a, uh, when you chop up the state you want to put all the republicans in districts and all the democrats in districts so the primary becomes a big thing and then we have primary fights about who can be more extreme towards their side of the ledger who can be the most yeah. conservative of the conservatives and the most liberal of the liberals. And it's no wonder we got ourselves into this mess. Gone are the days of Everett Dirksen and Chuck Percy and people who could uh, make a political career serving both sides of the aisle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, you hear the words phony. You're a phony Uh, conservative. (laughs) You're you're not conservative enough. You're not conservative enough. Or you you vote, you know, uh, I don't want to get off on, because we don't have enough time to talk about Uvalde, but if you do one thing towards gun control, you are a pariah for, uh, you know, maybe your Republican Party. And so nobody dares do it because they don't want to be primaried from the right. Um, mm, yeah. and, and so we're, we're just frozen in the headlights. If you do, there's, there's no longer any Democrats that are pro-life or any Republicans that are pro-choice. That's just disappeared. I, well, and uh, they did have just this. Uh, I think the Senate's working on a bipartisan bill, yeah. but it's it kind of nibbles around the edges oh, a little bit, yeah. right? I mean, it's, it's it's very minor, but that's about all you can get past. That's all you can get past, yeah. because you know, if one of those Republican senators votes yes on this thing, they get an F from the NRA, or they get a C mm. or D, and. The other guy, who's maybe some goofball who's never even visited Washington, D.C., he gets an A-plus. And people who look at that kind of stuff say, I'm voting for the A-plus guy. And we end up with uh, novel writers like uh, the guy in Ohio, uh, Hillbilly Elegy guy. Or we get Marjorie Taylor Greene running for a second term because that's what the people in her district in Georgia want or Lauren Boebert. Or you get AOC. She's not in any danger. AOC is going to win every election in her New York City uh, district. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have, and they have no reason to talk to each other because why? why? Yeah, why? I mean, why? it's not like you're going to reach a consensus, right? Um, so we've done this to ourselves. We need to deal with uh, the impact that computers have had on uh, legislative redistricting. Hey, Tom, we're out of time. Always good to see you. Great. Thank you, sir. We'll do it again soon. WDWS, Champaign-Urbana, 10 o'clock. It's the second hour of A Penny for Your Thoughts with Brian Barnhart on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM, WDWS. You can join in on the phone, via text, or online. Our phone number is 217-356-9397. Or text us on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line, 217-351-5357. Or send an email to talk at WDWS.com. Now, here again, Brian Barnhart. 
And hour number two of A Penny for Your Thoughts here on this Monday. It's red hot already, 85, headed for a high of 97, 101 tomorrow, 99 on Wednesday. So uh, try to stay cool if you can, get near some water or jump in some water or do whatever you need to do, uh, 10, 12, at, or do like we did growing up, just spray each other with the uh, garden hose. We did that all the time. <laughs> Uh, 1012 at News Talk 1400 DWS. Uh, good to have you with us here on A Penny for Your Thoughts. Our uh, news at the top of the hour was brought to you by Luther Falls Custom Kitchens, Grant and Quartz. Prices starting at just $35 for square foot installed. 2706 North Mattis Avenue in Champaign. Visit online at lutherfalls.com. Thanks to Tom Bruno for being with us in that first hour. If you missed any of that, uh, you can certainly listen in again at WDWS. Dot com. Several uh, questions left over for uh, Tom here along the way. We'll get to uh, some of those. And I'm sorry, I just couldn't get to them all. Uh, it's always a race against the clock. And I've got to try to triage uh, the amount of time I've got and try to hit on a variety of topics uh, without getting too bogged down in one topic or the other. But uh, I do have several left over for him. And I'll read those uh, if we get a chance here as we go along. And I plan to. 10.13. Before the show is up near the end of the show, there's a very well done documentary on the uh, Champaign County Fair, which is about a month away. Uh, WILL Public Media uh, putting that on uh, starting tonight. I think the, tonight is premiere, if I'm right. We'll have a guest on about that, and I think you'll find that pretty interesting. Also, uh, speaking of uh, documentaries and stories, I was watching a good part yesterday of the uh, Ken Burns uh, production about Benjamin Franklin. That was pretty interesting. So if you get a chance to uh, take a look at that, I would check that out, too. really helps you kind of understand the founding of the country and uh, his role in it and what he was doing overseas in France at the time the American Revolutionary War was taking place and uh, his tie-in with George Washington. And uh, it's really, really fascinating. 1014 at uh, News Talk 1400 DWS. Open line here for a little while. Jim is with us. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, uh Late morning, voice of the fighting Illini, Brian Barnhart. How are you? I have a, I have a question. I wanted to do that for a while. I have a question for you. Why did it take a legal precedence for Josh and Brent to get the logo of the state of Illinois with their orange eye on it on the football field? That's my one point. And the second point is I believe there's only – Four Big Ten teams that have grass, Michigan State, Purdue, um, Penn State, and who's the fourth? Oh, kind of lost me. But every team that doesn't have grass, they're, they're going the different colors, every five-yard line. Why are they doing that? Is that for you as a broadcaster to, to see where the ball is like a third and two, where they would be able to – you would be able to know where you could make the call on the first down because I wish it was all one cover color. That's what I'm talking about. Hmm. And then I have a couple other questions for you, but one's about a farm question. Mm-hmm. Well, I, the, 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 the alternating, the alternating colors, it's like baseball fields in major league baseball. Sometimes the way right. they mow them, they mow them differently in St. Louis. They put an arch out there. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if there, there's a trend or a fad or, you know, I just, it, it's not done to help us. I can tell you that. No. It's, you know, but you know, any, any, any natural grass is not going to have that. Yeah, that's true. 
You know, they're they're all they're all the same color, and I I think grass is going by the wayside, except except Kentucky. It'd be a cardinal sin if they went got rid of Kentucky bluegrass <laughs> in Kentucky. But right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then then the the other thing was about the farming. I've seen a lot of acreage that are barren left out. Is that because of fertilizer and the people that are farming it don't have enough money to to put hmm. into fertilizing the crop? I don't know. Could be your dad. You know, any of your relation would know that because yeah. there's a lot of barren, barren ground. Yeah. Are you? Or is it? Um, is it because it used to be? Is it look like it's been it was corn last year and it just hasn't been? Well, it, yeah. It, it it was. Um, you know, they didn't they didn't till it. No till, no till. Um, basically, corn and the stalks are there and they haven't done anything with it. They didn't. They didn't even touch it. So I know now they're not gonna they're not gonna put anything in it. Oh, okay. You know, by now they'd have done it. Yeah, because so, I know the, the crops are a little behind. Um, sometimes with those, if you had corn the year before and you put beans in, maybe they're just not up yet, and it looks like it's barren. I mean, it could be that. Well, you know, no till you, well, you know, no till you don't have yeah. you have stocks, but yeah. Well, anyway, voice of the finding Illini. That so so. Oh, I, c- can you find out if you don't know about? Is it because of Northwestern, big Chicago's Big Ten team, which has been debunked? We need to beat them about ten years in a row to stop it at that. <laughs> so I'll hang up. I'll I'll go on a rant with that. Okay. Well, take care, Brian. All right. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. I know. I, thank you very much. I yeah. I don't. Um, I don't know what goes into uh, when you buy turf. You know, like if it's uh, alternating dark green, light green. I mean, it's all for. Um, appearances and whatever the current current style is or different variations of it they don't do it to help the play-by-play guy though i can tell you that they're not worried about that uh the other thing is uh what i always found interesting was down at lsu they they not only put the 10 and the 20 but they put the 15 and the 25 and the 35 and the 45 always wondered about that why that was necessary but uh they do it so that's that's different that's unique uh, 1018 at DWS, but yes, they did replace the, uh, the turf. Uh, got the state of Illinois there with the align, with the, uh, orange eye there in the middle of the field. It looks really nice if you haven't seen it. 1018 at Newstalk 1400 DWS. We'll see it here in a couple months, right? We're a couple months out from, from football. All right, some of the uh, text left over here. Let's see. What will be the trade-in value after you keep an electric car for five years? I'm sure it'll need new batteries by then. That'll be interesting. Uh, electric car issue. Why are you glossing over the products used to create the electricity to power these cars? Not good. Uh, my cell phone bill includes a charge and fee that is associated with my location, which my understanding went to the local municipality. Another text says Savoy has talked to bringing in a central charging facility. We were asking how many charging facility uh, places there are in town. Uh, good morning. Why is why are gas prices in Indiana, a Republican state, higher than Illinois gas prices? That's a good question. I'm I'm just going on what Mike Hale told me. He was just over there in Indianapolis. Uh, let's see here. Let me jump back up. Even though the committee has presented videos, texts, and testimony talking about the January 6th, I can't understand how people refuse to believe the truth, in all caps, Pamela says. 
These people need to take their heads out of the sand and accept what is real. Shame on all of them, Pamela says. The hearings are underway again, by the way, uh, this morning. Let's see, a lot here about electric vehicles. Okay, next was a text, what does lib lover Bruno think of the job Joe Biden is doing? Uh, the news recently was talking about rolling blackouts, an emailer says. How will that affect cars that need to be charged? Will they have priority over people powering their homes? Another uh, text on the Castle Heating and Cooling text line says, I work for the state of Illinois. If the state wishes to incentivize citizens to buy electric vehicles, why is our entire fleet of service vehicles still gas or diesel? I guess it's do as we say, not as we do. I don't know how quickly that would take to get a state fleet switched over. I guess that would be uh, something to ask. Somebody asked about, we are talking about uh, different things in regards to... Um, Shoplifting, somebody said, how about Carol Ammons? Texter said, uh, speaking of San Francisco, this was an interesting question. Speaking of San Francisco, the district attorney out there was practically raised by Bill Ayers. We are quite familiar with him and his line here in Champaign-Urbana at the U of I. Has Mr. Bruno ever met Bill Ayers? What kind of person is he really? I don't know. I, d- I didn't get a chance to get to that one. So we'll um, we'll ask him that maybe the next time here. Uh, the Toyota Prius came out in 05. It is still going, a texter says. And another text says, we didn't run scared of no power when dryers were invited. When air conditioners came, we have plenty of power. <laughs> the listener says, all right, thank you. Appreciate that. So there you go. we got places all over the uh, comments, all over the map there. Appreciate those. On a penny for your thoughts. 1021 at DWS. Back with more in just a moment. All right, we're on uh, Penny for Your Thoughts. Game five of the NBA Finals tonight. You watching any of that? It's a pretty good series, actually. The uh, Golden State Warriors and the Boston Celtics. If you like tradition, like the Celtics, you know, the parquet floor, the the old school jerseys. If you like the uh, three-time champion over the course of time, Golden State Warriors, and you like guys shooting from 40 feet out, well, there you go, Stephen Curry. <laughs> It is a pretty good series. It really is. Draymond Green's kind of a villain, former Michigan State Spartan. But uh, they're deadlocked at 2-2. Stanley Cup has said Tampa Bay Lightning trying to win their third straight Stanley Cup. They're going against the uh, Avalanche uh, there of Colorado. All right, 217-356-9397. The uh, Capitol Riot Committee hearing's uh, underway again. Uh, Jonathan Turley wrote about this over the weekend, uh, and he, of course, is... um, commented you know you see him on tv a lot says congress has a long history of bipartisan investigatory and select committees many were formed during deep political rifts yet for 230 years congress maintained the need for bipartisan membership that was the case with the watergate committees the house committee on assassinations the special committee to investigate the national defense program the house select committee to investigate covert arms transactions and other investigations It would have been easy to stack the deck and limit the members by party on each of those committees, but past congressional leaders understood that the credibility of such investigations required balance, including opposing views. 
This is Jonathan Turley writing. says, Pelosi's decision to gut that process was something of a signature muscle play. As a witness in the first Trump impeachment, Turley says, I was highly critical of her insistence that the House would impeach before Christmas rather than conduct a traditional impeachment investigation with witnesses. Instead of building a more convincing case, Pelosi preferred to impeach with virtually no record for a certain defeat in the Senate. In the second impeachment, she went one better. She held no hearing at all and pushed through the first, quote, snap impeachment. The January 6th committee was similarly stripped of any pretense. It was as subtle a political move as Pelosi's ripping up of the president's State of the Union speech. Asked what she hoped to achieve from the committee on the first day of the hearings, Pelosi tellingly referred to it as a narrative. It's the difference between seeing and stimulating and simulating justice, he says. And here were his uh, comments on the hearings. He said, the first hearing looked like the uncontested opening statement in a persona non grata proceeding, a hearing designed to denounce or expel an individual. Much of the evidence was designed to show that Trump repeatedly was told he lost the election and thus had no good faith basis to challenge the election certification. Turley says, well, many of us said that exactly that same thing two years ago. Moreover, if the effort is to convict Trump of being an narcissistic or craven person, you hardly need a select committee to make that case to the Democratic base or to much of the rest of America. says, perhaps the most surprising element in the start of the hearings was the person who was portrayed as the guardian of democracy, former, former Attorney General William Barr. After Democrats called for Barr to be impeached or even criminally charged, he was shown repeatedly as holding the line against Trump's claims and demands. And there are many of us who have defended Barr for years. He said, indeed, if opposing views were allowed, Republicans would likely call for the testimony of committee chair Benny Thompson, Democrat of Mississippi, who voted to challenge the certification of the 2004 results of President George W. Bush's reelection. Committee member Jamie Raskin, Democrat of Maryland, sought to challenge Trump's certification in 2016, both did so, Turley says, under the very law that Trump's congressional supporters used in 2020. And Senate Judiciary Committee Chair Dick Durbin praised the challenge organized by then-Senator Barbara Boxer back in 2004. The difference, of course, is while there were violent protests in 2016 in Washington, there was not a riot that breached the Capitol. Yet given that history, it was more important than ever for House leaders to reinforce the credibility of this committee by adhering to the long-respected principle of bipartisan appointments. That's from uh, Jonathan Turley, a professor of public interest law at George Washington. Anyway, hearings ongoing, uh, 10.30 at uh, News Talk 1400 DWS. Our news headlines coming up here in a moment, uh, brought to you by Blaine's Farm and Fleet, your ag headquarters, helping you get the job done right, with uh, farm supplies and equipment, fencing, feed, and more. Wisconsin-based and family-owned since 1955. Text here says, what kind of batteries will semis need and what kind of time will they need to get charged up? Most of them are on a time schedule. I can see prices really going through the roof when they go electric. And by the way, I've got a, um, a week from today, I've got someone who is a Tesla engineer who is going to join us on the show and he'll answer and talk about a lot of these things. Uh, he routinely drives from uh, here to Kansas City with his electric vehicle, his uh, Tesla, and uh, he has no problem at all, he says. So we'll uh, kind of pick his brain a little bit about all of that coming up a week from today. 
All right, News Talk 1400 DWS. I have the news headlines coming up here in a moment. Let me go to Joe. How you doing, Joe? Well, can you hear me? Yeah. Go ahead. So, I, I just think it's... I know uh, I heard a, a uh, news report that they said that during the summer and this coming winter that there's going to be black owls or brown owls where the power grid's going to go down for 15 to 30 minutes. So when they bring up this uh, charging stations, they better bring up the power grid because there's going to be more demand for it. <laughs> you, you understand what I'm saying? So why, why is, tell me, why is the power grid going to go out now? Or you're saying it will? Or what are they? I no, they're, they, no, the news media said that during the summer and the winter, there could be brownouts or blackouts oh, at a okay. power grid for 15 to 30 minutes. I see. Okay. Because of the extreme heat or cold or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I see. Okay. And, more demand, and, more, and more demand for electricity, probably for charging stations or whatever. So they need to bring up the power grids to for demands for power if, if they're going to have all these, you know, electric cars. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not saying I'm against electric cars. I'm just saying they need to step up the pace. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yep, maybe okay, they will. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate you, sir. 1033, let's get to news headlines from CBS. All right, back on a penny for your thoughts. News Talk 1400 DWS. Got a long article here somebody sent me, and I'll, I'll take a look at it. Uh, coming up here on electric vehicles and zero emissions, et cetera, et cetera. And it said translated to English. So uh, <laughs> I have to uh, do that and get that done. So I'll print that off here as we go along. 1037, the uh, folks at Busey, Busey Ag Services and Farm Brokerage, will help you maximize the yield on your investment. The strength of Busey's ag services and farm brokerage in their numbers. They've been financing agricultural needs for 150 years. Full range of products and services, farm management, rural appraisals, agricultural consultations. They understand your operations, serving farms of all sizes, small farms, large commercial farms, and agribusinesses. Put your trust in the experienced team at Busey for your ag services, farm management, and ag needs. Call 1-800-67-BUSEY or visit BUSEY.com to maximize the yield on your investment. Headed for a high of 97 today. That kind of is county fair weather, a little bit, I think, right? Absolutely. Sarah Edwards is with us, filmmaker with Illinois Public Media. Is that the yes. correct W-I-L-L. title? Yes, W-I-L-L. A lot of w- people know it as W-I-L-L. That's right, yeah. W-I-L-L TV, that's right. And uh, we've got a documentary here I want to talk about the uh, Champaign County Fair. Give me your background a little bit. Well, I grew up here in Champaign-Urbana, um, the child of a News Gazette, re- longtime News Gazette reporter, and Cook. Okay. And um, as a twin, she used to take us both to the county fair every year because she covered ag for many, many years. And um, she, and so we got to know the county fair intimately <laughs> as she covered it every year, uh, and and it kind of grew a, a real love of what the county fair was and the and the culture. I kind of wondered about all the people who came to show show livestock and mm-hmm. enter projects. I was a 4-H'er myself, so mm-hmm. entered some projects. And um, 
And when I, and then I spent most of my career in Los Angeles and then came back here about three and a half years ago uh, to WILL and thought, uh, I got to do a documentary about the county fair and co- make it you know come full circle a bit. So, well, uh, yeah. the so, county the county fair is a great event. It's been going on a long time. Long the, time. late eighteen hundreds, right? We, yeah, yeah uh, it started actually the the concept and the idea kind of started in biblical times um, mm-hmm. and developed into what we know today. Um, in, in about the seventeen hundreds, a guy named Aleka Watson in Massachusetts brought a cow, a single cow, to the center of town and said, "Here's my cow. Isn't isn't it pretty? You know." And <laughs> and then the farmers kind of gathered and they're like, "Well, yeah. What are you doing that I'm not doing?" You know, and mm-hmm. and uh, it kind of developed into um, what we know today, which is a, a place for agri- for farmers and people in in ag to bring the best of what they do, whether that's a cake or, or a heifer or a pig, and kind of compare and contrast what their neighbors are doing and uh, have it judged and see what, what the mm-hmm. best of the best is. So. Well, in my case, it was sheep. Oh, you, so you showed sheep? sheep? Yeah. Very yeah, good. The 4-H, Very good. yeah. Yeah, yeah 4-H my... And, yeah. Open and junior shows and all those. Yeah. Yeah. So you know exactly what this yeah, is all about. I do. Okay. <laughs> well, I think you know one of the problems here, and th- one of the reasons why this is important, is that a lot of people come to the county fair, and they go get their corn dog and their lemon shake up, and they ride a couple rides, and then they go home, and they miss what's going on in the livestock barns, mm-hmm. you know, and um, or or they come and see a show, which is which is awesome, but um, you know, it really county fairs are designed to educate people about agriculture. So that's what people ought to be doing when they come, in my humble opinion, <laughs> uh, either going to the to Kessler Hall at the 4-H, uh, you know, at, mm-hmm. at the Champaign County sure. Fair and, and taking a look at what people are, are entering and mm-hmm. how they can learn from that and... And, and how and how our meat that we eat is is raised and cared for. Mm-hmm. So. Sarah Edwards is with us, filmmaker with Illinois Public Media, WILL. A documentary premieres tonight about the Champaign County Fair and county fairs in general, as we've been talking about, an original documentary. And uh, so it starts tonight. It does, yeah. yes. Uh, it's an hour long, and it features, uh, as I said, people from across the county fair, of what the county fair is. So we have two twins, Mara and uh, Meg Turner, mm-hmm. who uh, show heifers at the fair and get a lot of help from their dad, Andy. We've got Jim Cullors, who uh, is a longtime French fry seller yep. at the fair, Color 75 fries. years of, of, of the Cullors fries. Mm-hmm. Um, Allison Rappelier, who is a seamstress, she enters beautiful um, works of, of dresses into the fair and also some some food items. Uh, Dan Luckett, who is uh, from the Cincinnati Circus, he comes to the county fair every year and performs. He has kind of a, a an, an interesting story, a lot of hardship in his life. And then Taylor Feldkamp, who is a demo derby driver who owns Feldkamp's Towing here in Champaign-Urbana and uh, does demo derbies on the side when he's not working 24-7. Mm-hmm. So. so you just followed each of these folks we did kind of tell their story yes we shot we started shooting this documentary at least three or four months before the county fair began Mm -hmm. uh, interviewing people extensively about what they do and why they do it and followed them to the fair and then part of the documentary is we see how they do you know how does taylor Mm -hmm. do in his with his demo car that he kind of digs out of the weeds and then you know allison as she we we follow the making of these dresses and and then see how she does Mm -hmm. in the end and also of course the the livestock and yeah. And that type of thing. So when you uh, when you add the human element to it, that's what makes. Yeah. You know, it's one thing if you just okay, well, that's nice. They brought a nice cow to the right. fair, but when you tell the story, right? So we're the, trying to invest people yeah. in who these people are and what mm-hmm. what they do, and we find out a lot about, 
you know, the extreme work it takes to, as you know, uh, raise livestock and get mm-hmm. and get them ready for the fair. Mm-hmm. Um, these kids are up at five thirty in the morning. Um, Washing their cows and getting them in from the pasture, and and, and there are, there are heifers who, in their case, that are specifically born and raised to be shown at county and state fairs. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it's a, it's an interesting culture. Yeah, I am interested to learn about how they get ready for a demo derby. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I, that, <laughs> That that completely is foreign to me. I, uh, yeah. yeah, it's a it, yeah. It, you know, it's a lot of bashing stuff with <laughs> with hammers, <laughs> and yeah, it's it's actually it was fascinating. Um, uh, you know, watching how you take a car and make it um, into a state where it can be hit from all sides, and mm-hmm. still the transmission survives, and you don't blow the. Uh, what's it? The water water heater? <laughs> yeah, the water pump or the, I'm not, yeah, yeah. the water pump. That's it. Yeah, and uh, and then you know how how they protect themselves in the in the process. So, ten forty three. Visiting with Sarah Edwards here as we talk about uh, Illinois Public Media WILL, a documentary about the Champaign County Fair, uh, and fairs have changed over time too, right? They have. Yeah, um, it's it, part of uh, one of the points of the of the fa- film is that you know. Th- their, the participation in the fairs is slowly kind of uh, falling off, uh, partly because not as many people are raising livestock. Mm-hmm. Farmers are focusing on corn and soybeans, in, at least in, the, in Illinois. Mm-hmm. Um, and so livestock production is kind of slowly going away. And so people who and – then, and then there's kind of the – with the advance of technology and social media, kids aren't gravitating toward doing the, you know, handiwork and um, – in in the trenches projects that they used to in mm-hmm. the, you know when I was growing up and that type of thing so um, a lot of factors coming into you know who go into kind of the slow not disintegration of the fair because I don't think fairs are ever going to go away entirely but the evolution of a fair rather so mm-hmm. um, fair managers now are under more pressure than ever to find ways to get people to come to the fair and to be relevant to what's going on today and you know how to how to attract kids found all the interesting uh, facts and uh, the fairs in the state of Illinois and when they started here in Springfield and then in Champaign County yeah. and et cetera. and then how you get the word out if you're operating a fair as a right. county how you get that word how that's changed with exactly. media and print and yes and stuff like yeah, that yeah one of the funny things we do in our documentary which i hope is entertaining is we actually feature ads over the years from the champaign county fair that af- appear in the champaign county fair programs hmm. and uh we give voice to them by using local actors uh, to to voice those ads, and so you, you hear about everything from you know cook stoves and uh, you know from the eighteen hundreds to um, you know and also some funny stories. So the, mm. uh, actually, one of the first airplanes that ever flew over Champaign County appeared at the Champaign County Fair in nineteen eleven, and mm. um, that was the first opportunity anybody had to see a. a an airplane so we do tell that story and um so it's it's pretty entertaining part yeah. of the film kind of the summary on it the beautiful film traces the long history culture and importance of county fairs through the grit aspirations and family legacies of seven people whose lives and livelihoods intersect uh at last year's champaign county fair in urbana illinois and so uh weaving together the story all of that and this is all part of what uh, 100 years of um illinois public media yes right? we're right? celebrating our 100th anniversary yeah. This year, we actually beat the BBC by two months, and uh, five, six months, six Is months. That right? That's right. 
<laughs> we were on the air before the BBC, and so. <laughs> well, you were uh, our our company here is eighty five. This radio, this uh, the you know radio station. Oh really? Oh. Itself. So we're at eighty five. So we're you know uh, you're close behind. Close behind, <laughs> but not quite. So that's uh, we're trailblazers here in the Midwest. Right, that's right. That's right. Got a question for you here, if that's all right. Sure. Uh, let's see here, Ted. You got a question on the county fair, Ted? Yeah, uh, I heard it earlier on TVJ, and uh, I talked to Jim Kohler from Kohler French Fries. He's over at New Berlin right now at the county fair, which starts Wednesday. He's going to be uh, he's going to be listening to her tonight, or watching the show tonight at eight o'clock. He thought it already already aired. But, uh, so good. Kohler French Fries are the best. Yeah, they are, they aren't are, they? Th- yes, they. Um, interesting story. So Forrest Colors. Uh, after World War II, he got home, and he was like, well, what am I going to do now? And so he was on a road trip with his buddies, and he saw a woman selling French fries out of a little window, out of a little hole, as he calls it. And uh, and then he's like, well, I can do that, but this time, I think this time I'm going to do the, I'll do the, the fairs instead of, you know, selling them out of a hole in some kind of town, you know. And so he got a trailer made out of World War II uh, bomber parts, uh, constructed a trailer, and and really refine the recipe for what it is, what what a great French fry is. And I'll tell you, they're the best French fries you've ever eaten. I'm sure you've had them before. I have, yeah. Okay. Somewhere along the way, yeah, for sure. Right. Well, so this one will air tonight. What time eight, again? Eight, 8 o'clock tonight. Okay. It'll re-air Sunday at 3, and it's also available on the PBS video app for anybody who doesn't see it tonight. Uh, we're also trying to arrange some screenings at the county fair and some other places around town, mm-hmm. so stay tuned. We'll mm-hmm. have a... Uh, posters up and some various mm-hmm. advertising so all right and uh, some streaming opportunities eventually yes. yeah right? yeah so yeah. pbs video app tonight you tonight can you can do that stream, okay stream, and yeah. talk about the team that uh, helped you put this together uh the the documentary was shot primarily by a guy named isaac musgrave who uh is on the road quite a bit with cbs sports um but he loves illinois public media and has shot many documentaries with us including our last one, Illinois Country, which is about the history of of country music in Illinois. And uh, so he shot a lot of it. We also had um, local uh, – it was produced by DJ Roach, who's a producer here at Illinois Public Media. Um, and, you know, a guy named Michael Dunn helped shoot the demo derby. We had like five different cameras rolling at the demo derby, mm-hmm. including one in the car with Taylor Feldkamp that, got, that bit the dust during the demo <laughs> derby. Which yeah. of course we included in the documentary because right. everybody wants to see a good camera bite the dust. Right. So, <laughs> so but a lot, lot of local talent, a lot of voiceover talent here from the local area, mm-hmm. uh, local actors mm-hmm. um, doing those ads. So, well, I've seen some clips of it. It looks, it looks, it's really good. Very well done. Oh, thank you very it's, much. It's just, uh, it's, it hooks you and it gets you plugged into something that's that's a part of our lives here all the time, every yeah. summer. So. Yeah, like the it. idea is to invest you in the in the stories of these people and mm-hmm. and kind of watch them prepare for and participate in the fair and what happens next. Okay, so. WILL TV tonight at eight. Thank you, you very watch much. Watch for it. Thank you very much, Sarah. Appreciate right. it. Thanks for having me. Very good. Back with more here in a moment. Oh, love this song. 10.52 at uh, DWS. All right, got some folks here lined up. A busy morning here. Sarah, how are you? Okay. I called in too late to catch the person who was talking, mm-hmm. but I just wanted to share that 
oftentimes with the baked goods after they were judged, you could take them home a few days afterwards. And a lot of times the people connected with the Carney Traveling Group would come around to the back of the hall where you were cleaning your goods out and ask for the cookies, cakes, and baked goods. Um, one time my aunt had made a braided yeast bread and had put boiled eggs on top to decorate it. And she told the people that they could eat the bread part of it, but be sure and discard the eggs because <laughs> <laughs> they were too old. But oh, I just want right. to share that with her. Wow. This is back in the late six in the in the sixties. So All right. They were well, hungry for cooked home cooked meals. Well there you go. <laughs> that's that's a good story. Thanks. Thank you. All right, very good. good. All right. Uh Texter says, uh, hey, I'm sure you know Roger Flynn who has worked with a fair with a sheep for years. He's a good guy who needs mentioning for his hard work, Jane says. All right, appreciate that. And uh, Texter said, I had to laugh at Tom Bruno and his trolley mention. No one goes to Urbana now. <laughs> well, they seem to be doing okay over there in Urbana. Uh, got a lot of new uh, buildings up, residences over there, and um, Lincoln Square is kind of hopping again. And So I would say nobody goes over there. A lot of people do. Uh, Michael, how are you? Hey, good morning, Brian. How you doing? Good morning. Doing good. I called you, I called you a couple weeks ago to tell you about I own an electric vehicle, and there was a person that called afterwards and, and caught, you know, I said that uh, my wife gets to charge at FTCU for for free and, you know, was, uh, you know, saying that probably affects the rate. And so what I thought I would do, because you're going to have that engineer on, is I would give you a couple, I, I hate the word misinformation, but I would give you a, like a couple perspectives on electric vehicles, a couple things you guys are asked. seems like a hot topic. Mm-hmm. So if you don't mind, let me kind of set this up, and okay. I think it'll make sense to people. If you can, if you can do it if you can do it in a couple minutes, that would be even better, or call me uh, I can do it. tomorrow. I can, okay. I can do it in 90 seconds, okay, no problem. Good. So we, we own an Audi electric vehicle. My son owns a, a Tesla, so I know a little bit about him. couple things. The price of charging it at home is about half of what gasoline is. That's gone up, too, as electricity has gone up, just to be fair. Um, if you were just to drive on the interstate, and again, I'm, I can only re- reference Florida, but I bet it's the same in Illinois. If you were to drive on the interstate, you really wouldn't have much problem. They either have charging locations at shopping centers, or they're even showing up at gasoline stations now. There is a little problem, and a lot of them are Tesla chargers, and so it's like our Audi. It doesn't charge at a Tesla station, but supposedly you can get a um, an adapter. Okay. Mm-hmm. As far as resale value of the car, all of both the Tesla and the Audi have a 10-year warranty on the batteries, and it costs about $8,000 to replace the batteries. But saying that, remember, an electric motor has next to no maintenance. There's no oil changes. There's no moving parts. You know, think of like your electric fan in your house. They don't break. So you got to keep that in mind that you're really your maintenance is a brakes and tires, that type of thing. Not the engine. You're not changing oil. You're not doing any of that stuff. So, I mean... Long and short of it, the country's just not quite ready for a full-blown trans- transformation to electric. But they are pretty neat. They work pretty well. They're just they're not cheap. That's the, the downside. Hmm. Hey, that very good. Second, That's pretty good. Yeah, you hit it perfectly. Well, thank you, Michael. Yeah, we'll have this uh, engineer on next Monday, so we'll uh, we'll delve into this stuff a little deeper. 
Yeah, it's they're interesting. I mean, yeah. they're, 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 they drive great. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just that it's the country's not ready unless all you're doing is driving around town. I think it'd be fine. If you lived in a rural area, I it would be very difficult because you wouldn't have the charging stations. Yep, not not up front anyway. All no, right. not yet. I mean, yeah. All right. Well, Sounds good. Have a good thank day. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate it. Back in a moment here on Penny for Your Thoughts. Pacer Law Office invites you to attend their free seminar, The Seven Secrets You Need to Know to Protect Your Family from the Cost of Long-Term Care. Join Thorpe Facer and Facer Law Office at the iHotel and Conference Center Wednesday, June the 15th at one thirty. Reserve your space. Call Facer Law Office at 217-337-1111. Blaine's Farm and Fleet brought to the news at the bottom of the hour. Your ag headquarters helping you get the job done right with farm supplies and equipment. Fencing, feed, and more. Wisconsin-based and family-owned since 1955. And Precision Painting is one of our sponsors here on Penny. They get the Super Service Award the last two years from Angie's List. 50-plus A-rated reviews. And uh, they can take care of all the uh, things you need to take care of with interior painting. You can uh, get the full-size sample sheets, many colors as you'd like. And you don't have to pick up the uh, colors from a little chip there. Precision Painting is efficient. They're not jumping from job to job. They do a great job. Call or text at 217-637-6288 or go whyprecision.com, whyprecision.com. Thanks for all the texts, emails, and phone calls today. Getting uh, to the news here. I'm a little past. It's WDWS, Champaign-Urbana, back tomorrow for an hour of Penny on the money as well. Richard Urban on Wednesday, and uh, then my dad at the end of the week at 10 o'clock on Friday. Thanks for being with us. Thanks to Blake Landa. We'll talk to you soon.